ready for a new episode of KP Talks Dollars and Cents. Learn financial literacy and get real-time updates on all things housing, finance, and real estate with your host, Kevin Perenio. As an owner and C-level executive for 20-plus years in finance, KP is here to serve you with all of his knowledge and experience. Whether you're a broker, realtor, or just interested in the economy, this is the podcast for you. So let's get started. Here's your host, Kevin Perenio. Hey, it's KP coming to you live from Corona, California. It is just a little bit past midnight here. It's Tuesday, so hopefully our East Coasters will be waking up soon to a fresh new video. I'm going to post, uh, again, the link for Episode 3 from KP Talks Dollars and Cents, the educational video. So definitely subscribe after you click on that link to YouTube and bang that like button. you watch the video. Uh, we are here trying to serve and uh, teach financial literacy at scale. That's what originators do best, and we're trying to serve the originator community and everyone here in this community on LinkedIn. So thank you for the support. All right, let's talk about the fallout from last week. It is still lingering into this week. I'm not just talking about the election. I'm also talking about the CPI report, the inflation report. Uh, is it confirmation of peak inflation? Peak this, peak that, peak everything. I'm going to talk about a whole bunch of peaks. And uh, I also get into the Fed and what they're thinking and their rhetoric that's being used as a tool um, as opposed to what their actual statement says and what the bond market thinks about what the Fed is going to do next, especially after the last report. All right, so let's get into everything. So um, we um, had last week, we had a CPI print that came out and um, it moved the market. But the Tuesday red wave was supposed to move the market for the midterm election. Well, there wasn't a red wave. And I have a take on this. So I am not getting political. I'm not trying to poke at either party. Um, you know, it may sound like I was just taking a jab at uh, Republicans, and I wasn't. And, and I'm going to say something else that may sound like I'm taking a jab at Democrats, and I'm not going to do that either. I'm just kind of pointing out facts. I'm trying to remove my emotions and remove uh, the passion and just observe, just look and use my eyeballs. Um, I saw a midterm election that typically... Typically, an incumbent um, administration loses one part of either the House or the Senate, so one part of Congress. It's pretty pretty normal. Like happens almost every midterm in a first-term election. Um, what I noticed, and again, I don't watch a lot of news, so maybe I'm misinformed, but it felt to me that um, in D.C., uh, you know, the Biden administration really stayed out of the politics and inserting themselves um, in this midterm campaign. And um, that's just what it felt like to me here in Southern California. Again, I don't watch a lot of news. Um, I know some districts that might have felt different, um, but uh, it felt like this was one of the more local elections we've had in a while where, uh, you know, every election, um, it mattered who the candidate was and democracy spoke. And I felt like, um, you know, I mean, gosh, look at the Republicans that won seats in Long Island and New York, like New York. Uh, you know, it's just crazy to see stuff like that. And then, um, you know, vice versa. So uh, we still have a pretty divided uh, populace. Senate was uh, retained by Democrats, um, about a 50-50 split. There's still a, a Georgia runoff coming uh, uh, with uh, Warnock and uh, Walker, uh, set to go head-to-head -head for that final seat. But, um, you know, at best it's 50-50 or 51 Democrats. Uh, you know, either way, it doesn't matter because of... Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris, 
given the deciding vote on any 50-50 splits. It's still not official whether Republicans have won the House of Representatives, but if so, we've got gridlock in D.C., which is good for business. It's good that they have to come together and compromise like normal people do, like we have to do every day running a business. Uh, we don't just get elected and then for six years we're good and uh, you know we don't have to be uh, financially sound or whatever. Uh, so hopefully this uh, election is uh, a sign of things to come. Now, of course, the next election in two years will be very uh, much a national stage and a lot of those local elections will get swept up in the national uh, presidential election. So um, get ready for more ugly politics. I'm so glad that's over. Um, can't stand politics. But didn't really move the market. The CPI print moved the market. Did, did it get a confirmation of peak inflation? Well, if you go to the CME tool, which I touched on last week, you can see that instead of 75 basis point rate hike for the December 14th meeting, is only seen as um, a 50 basis point rate hike, something like a 80% chance now. And then the February 1st meeting, then after that, is only another quarter. So that gets our, I think, our um, top line number at 4.5%. So where does that leave the markets? Well, obviously the market rallied. Some people, like I said last week, think it was a technical bounce or a, a bear market rally. You know, price action's a thing. Um, you know, if a market is oversold and the bears were in charge and there's a lot of bear sentiment and there just weren't as many buyers because everyone was selling and they sold and they sold and they sold. And then technically you got some price action where there just aren't any people left to sell and you have a hint of bad news. Boom, the buyers come rushing in, especially if there is a lot of, uh, you know, bets laid against the market to be even more bearish, like put um, options and things like that. And then boom, you have a bounce. But here we are, you know, it's uh, Monday going into Tuesday. We've had a couple trading sessions uh, now since that day. And uh, we didn't retrace all the way back, right? So, you know, sometimes there's just more sellers than buyers or buyers than sellers. And that dictates price action. And over time, those patterns, you know, show up. And that's very similar to what's going on uh, in the housing market. You know, when rates were historically low, uh, at epic all-time low rates, we had a massive amount of demand, huge amount of buyers, and it was overwhelming the sellers in a, a, a low supply market. So that forced price action, prices to go up. Now we kind of come back down. Now, what's interesting is we have a lot less buyers because of higher rates and a lot less sellers because sellers don't want to sell into a, a higher priced uh, property. If they're going to sell, 75% of sellers go buy something else, they would be forced to buy a higher price property at a higher rate. So uh, price action matters in all of our equity markets. I am not a financial advisor. I am not responsible for your losses, only your profits. But price action matters, and we do talk about that. Okay, so uh, we have 17 more data points between now and the February 1st meeting. And there's a lot of CPIs. Tomorrow is a PPI print that comes out in the morning. That's the producer price index. My video last week, I did talk about PPI coming down in China which is usually a one-month to two-month indicator that PPI will come down here. Maybe we'll start to see it tomorrow morning, or maybe it will be the next PPI uh, report that comes out um, right around the time of the next Fed meeting. There's actually a CPI print that comes out the day before the next December 14th Fed meeting. And there's also a PCE number that comes out, and I'll talk about it in a second. But speaking of China, did we have peak retail sales for China? They had Singles Day last week. It was like $140 billion in retail sales in one day. So that might have been 
uh, peak retail sales for the Chinese economy. And then we have our Q4 coming up, which is seen as peak retail sales for the U.S. economy. Remember, GDP here is 70% driven by consumer spending. And Q4 is our big, big peak season, peak time of the year. So uh, peak, 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 lots of peaks going on. Uh, now, PCE, this is the Fed's uh, preferred um, inflation indicator, the personal consumption expenditure. It's different from CPI because CPI is prices from the past, past data, past rents that are going up still, and home prices are going up still, even though we know that that data has been coming down. We know that the list price index for rent has been coming down. Um, you know, it was up as much as 28, 29%, 30% at some point in the last year. It's down to only being up 0.2%. Okay, so the rent lag indicators in CPI are not matching the listing index. And of course, we know that home prices have been coming down according to the Case Shiller Index since May. And that hasn't shown up in the CPI. But the consumption, the immediate consumption, the PCE, I mentioned this last week and I want to reiterate this point. Um, Matt Sonecker over there, he sent me, uh, my boy there, uh, you know, source point, he sent me this great thing from JP Morgan where they talked about their estimate as of last week is the PCE is actually under 4%. Those are some examples. They also said that the wage inflation number, which is still high, it's at 4.8%, but it's not at the 6.5%, the wage price spiral we've been talking about, the thing that the Fed has been trying to crush. So JP Morgan Chase is thinking we're under 4% on a PCE. You got the Fed out there talking last week. I'll give you a couple things. Um, uh, Fed Esther, she said, Esther George said um, that uh, they're not done. They repeatedly call, she's been calling for slower, steadier rates since June. But um, the Fed has had a consensus to fight inflation. But now you might start to see, especially if job losses start to come out, these weekly jobless reports start to stay elevated, you might to see less of that consensus with the Fed. They're starting to come out and say, hey, we shouldn't be talking about pauses. Um, you know, uh, Daly was saying that. You got um, Harkin, uh, Harker and Philly saying, you know, 4.5% is kind of a good number. You're starting to see some, maybe some cracks in that consensus. So we'll watch the data, watch the jobs. Bang that like button down below. Have a good one. Cheers. Hey, it's KP coming to you live from Corona, California. Well, we had an awesome day today. Thank you so much, Dave Savage, Mortgage Coach co-founder, and now with Sales Boomerang and the team. Uh, together with Sue Woodard, we had an awesome survival guide for the coming market. So look out on the airways. It's out there. It's worth a listen. Uh, and episode number four of KP Talks Dollars and Cents is out. So definitely hit the link down below. I'll post it. Subscribe to my channel. Please do that. And then like, bang that like button. And we're going to talk about an incredible dinner that I had uh, with Zactus in Nashville, where the former Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, was with us talking about the Fed, because the Fed's all in the news these days. Uh, and it's very interesting, because I know people are attributing a lot of the ups and downs and the daily uh, market movements to the Fed. And let's talk why uh, that is getting a little bit more important, the Fed's rhetoric and why it's a little bit more important. I'll tell you why, and I'll give you some insights from a little private dinner that your boy KP was on, and I'm going to share just a little bit of that. Uh, but first, let's get to some of the news. Okay, so uh, we had jobless claims come out. So that's new weekly jobless claims. And the number was like, I don't know, 200-something thousand um, around the, the consensus number. But the important part, the important part is that the continuing jobless claims remains elevated. Now, remember, we are talking about the Fed dual mandate, 
maximum employment of the economy, and price stability, aka inflation control. So we've been at pretty low, record low, unemployment. So because of that, and, and to, to use the phrase from this dinner that um, I had at Cane Prime, by the way, for those of you that have never eaten at Cane Prime in Nashville, it is like one of the best restaurants literally in America. Um, I kept calling it Kanye Prime. Uh, so I don't know how my brain scrambled that. But in this private room, former Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, who is now an economics professor at uh, Notre Dame, and um, also noodles catfish at Lake Texoma, which I used to live in Sherman, Texas, on the border of Texas and Oklahoma. thought that was pretty cool for a guy from Janesville, Wisconsin. He said that the Fed and Jerome Powell has had it pretty easy because they have a consensus. It's easy to keep raising rates because unemployment is low and inflation is at record high. But that consensus amongst the Fed board and all the members, especially the voting members, will start to fracture, and here's why. You got bulls, right, and bears in the stock market. You got doves, and you got hawks on the Fed board. A hawk, which is in one of my KP Talks videos, we talked about hawks. Um, hawks are inflation hawks. They want to raise rates. They want to make sure we get on top of it. You know, let everyone go bankruptcy. We'll just figure it out later, all that kind of stuff, right? So uh, Dallas uh, Fed President James Bullard is a hawk. And he came out and had some comments today saying, you know, we got to get the terminal rate, which is the end rate of where this Fed uh, hike, uh, rate hikes will go, which currently we're at 375 to 4, right? Remember, we started this thing at 0 to 25. We're now at 375 to 4. He's like, we're going to be from 5 to 7%. So, like, I know a lot of people are, you know, attributing today's market movement to those comments. And initially that was the case. But don't forget our bond market, if you look at the 10-year treasury, has been selling off for six straight days. It's way oversold. So we were kind of due for a bounce back. So just like when you had some news came out, uh, you know, five, six sessions ago of um, less than expected CPI inflation and this PPI inflation, you know, sometimes when you get oversold and the RSI charts show that you're oversold, um, that's the relative st uh, strength indicator on these technical charts, it doesn't take much. To, to like, okay, let's just retrace back, a little reversion to the mean. We see it all the time, stocks, bonds, everything, right? Um, so uh, these comments by uh, Bullard basically uh, got the market to kind of um, come back in. So rates got a little worse, uh, yields went up on the 10-year. Now, they didn't stay elevated. The market actually fought back uh, because the math, data, science, and facts continue to take over. We continue to remember that even though we've come down 55 basis points on the 10-year, that even though we've come down from that moment, uh, you know, uh, I guess when the CPI report uh, came out, um, and that's a big move for the Treasury, uh, that that move was oversold and it was due to come back. But even though we came down that much, we still bounced back a little bit. And some of that has to do with, remember, inflation may have peaked and we may have another uh, 16 data points between now and February. CPIs, PPIs, PCEs, all this stuff coming out, rent growth, you know, all these different uh, factors. We may have this data come out that continues to show that inflation is rolling over, aka getting lower. But do we have a growth scare? Um, do we have um, the economy looking at a recession? You look at the 10-2 inversion, right? They call that um, the yield curve inverting, uh, which is a sign of potential recession in the future. Don't know when. Usually within 18 months of the yield curve inversion between the 10 and the 2, you have a recession. 18 months, you know, now we've had an inverted yield curve for a while. But again, if employment starts to crack, 
okay, you start to have people lose jobs, like 1.5 million continuing jobless claims. Even though we have 10 million job openings, you know, they, all, they don't all marry up, right? You know, those 10 million jobs could be in, you know, services, you know, places. These people being let go from Twitter, half the workforce, maybe they don't want to go wait tables. You know, they don't want a real job, right? You know, they want the cushy white collar job. All the stuff that you're seeing in the headlines of people being let go, they may not, it may not be an exact match, a white collar job versus a blue collar job. Did you know that trucking, truck drivers, is the most common job in 29 states? 29 states. Think about that. If we do have less growth, we're in Q4. This is when people do their holiday shopping right now. You just saw the 1.6 million workforce of Amazon continuing to announce layoffs. If they continue, which by the way, they have trucks that have no drivers for like three years have been going from Phoenix to Dallas late night. I go out, I make this run every now and then. Uh, I go from here in Corona sometimes on Thursdays out to the uh, Palm Desert area and I see these trucks. You see them out there. There's these driverless trucks. That job being automated out of existence, slowing growth, peak retail sales in Q4 coming uh, down, who knows what's going to happen in the first quarter or two. So you've got these uh, hawks of inflation like Buller that say, man, let's just get this inflation under control. I don't really care what happens. But you have doves. You have doves out there that when there's less of a consensus, as Fed, uh, former uh, House Speaker uh, Paul Ryan says, who, by the way, is on the board, uh, Perry Steiner, CEO of Zactus, who put together seven great companies. Credit Plus was one of them, one of our big credit vendors. Uh, Greg Holmes, shout out to Greg Holmes, G. Holmes out there, our, their chief revenue officer. You know, at this dinner, they said this consensus that the Fed has had because it's been easy, because it's all about fighting inflation. When people start to lose jobs, the doves, hey, well, you know, maybe we shouldn't be raising these rates as much as uh, Fed President Bullard is saying because people are losing jobs, and that's not exactly politically expedient in an election year coming up because people are now talking nationally national politics about a presidential election and any of those local elections tied to the presidential election if we're going into a recession with a job loss recession that's going to be a problem i'm not saying that the fed's board is political but they are appointees and they uh there are politics that goes on in that board that consensus will crack so the comments the fed rhetoric of all these members that are coming out and speaking um harker bullard mary daly you know, uh, Esther George, they start to matter because the consensus will crack as unemployment goes up. Got it? Now, some of these comments have been Kabuki Theater, okay? Which, if you look up on Google, it says Kabuki Theater is a great Japanese uh, artistic show with uh, very dramatic effect and acting and costumes. Some of these comments are for dramatic effect. The word Kabuki Theater, when used in political discourse, means some of this is mostly showmanship and not exactly a lot of content. But as jobs begin to be lost even more, 1.5 million jobs uh, at continuing unemployment uh, claims, these comments actually matter because they matter because the doves and the hawks will be fighting and we might see those Fed rates start to come down and pause and that's when the pivot gets even closer to even a recession and then actual rate cuts. Let me give one more little insight that I heard that I don't think a lot of people um, caught, a very quick little clip uh, last week from uh, uh, Mary Daly, San Francisco Fed president. She said on CNBC, it was very interesting. She said she doesn't normally disclose her dot on the dot plot. All this talk from all these Fed members has to do with where they think the final rate's going to be. 
She said in the September Fed meeting, her dot was 5%. Okay, some of the Fed rhetoric that came out this week said 4.5%. Sufficiently restrictive, right? Remember, that number, that top line terminal rate, that 4.5% or 5%, or as Bullard said today, 5 to 7%, typically has to be higher than the rate of inflation, typically core inflation or the PCE. We're going to watch. We're going to listen. The comments are starting to matter more and more. But nothing matters more than math, data, data, science, and facts. Have a great weekend. Cheers. You've been listening to KP Talks Dollars and Cents, a top-rated show for those who want to learn about the economy and mortgage environment. Tune in each week for more episodes, and please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Kevin Perenio does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through KP Talks Dollars and Cents. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. For more info, follow KP Talks Dollars and Cents on all of our social channels.